is Evan Marquette, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You podcast, where you will learn everything you need to know about dating, relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. And today, I have a very special guest, and I, I, there's always the formal introduction, and then there's the way I want to talk about someone. So I'll tell you about Marcy Newman. I, I was referred by a friend to her. And it was a it was a cold call, and we had this Skype conversation that was just lovely and easy and connected. And I I just decided I liked her so much that I wanted her to be my best friend. And, <laughs> and I'm I'm fascinated with her chosen focus. She does a lot of things, um, uh, which I would not be able to encapsulate. Uh, nor will I encourage her to encapsulate because. Her, her breadth of experience is, is so great, but she's decided to focus her energies in coaching on forgiveness. And it's something that struck a chord with me that no one was doing that uh, very specifically, and it was needed. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've got a lot of people asking me to be guests on this show, and I told all of them, no, I want to talk to Marcy Newman. So I'm, bring, I'm bringing her, her to you today. I did an interview on her podcast a couple weeks ago that went really well. Uh, I'm hoping we cr we can recreate some of that energy here today. Uh, and now, before we dive into it, I want to give you her formal bio. Marcy Newman's a, a professional energy healer, cert certified hypnotherapist, published author. For over 40 years, uh, Marcy's professional journey has been guided by her own teachings of energy healing and transformation. This proprietary method known as heart shifting is considered one of the leading processes to create lasting change. Her coaching programs and her healing and manifestation products all focus on one ultimate goal, to help people envision the life they want, to forgive and let go of the past, to shift their hearts and thoughts, and live the life they truly deserve, a life with joy, love, health, success, and happiness. It is Marcy's mission to transform lives, teaching empowerment skills, and creating tools for personal change. Oof. Without further ado, <laughs> my friend, Marcy Newman. Hi, Marcy. Hey, Evan. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. And thanks so much for your very lovely and very warm welcome. Um, and you're right, you know, right from the get go, I, I felt this connection to you. And so um, I can I can feel this unfolding. And I'm really excited for what we're going to explore today and, and what will come out that we have to share with our audience. Yeah, and I, I'm really appreciative. And and again, candidly, I, I'm surprised I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> I am too. <laughs> no, 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 not, not this topic. This topic of, of, of forgiveness where you can, you could take people a level deeper than I can is, I, I'm thrilled to throw it to you as a compliment to what I do organically. It's everything else you do is so outside the pale of what I normally talk about because I'm like the anti-spiritual guy, right? Mm -hmm. Reiki and energy and that, that it's completely foreign to me. Um, so it's very, very rare that I get on the phone with someone who is spiritual to, to share her message and it feels like a sign of growth. <laughs> you know what? I, I think it is. And I think it's a sign of growth for you, for me and for the audience. I like it. Yeah. So um, uh, before we dive into the topic of forgiveness and overlook the sound of the chainsaw outside yes. my window. Um, <laughs> how did you become you? I mean, we don't need the, the, the half hour bio, but what's the minute and a half 
journey from from where you are 40 years ago to where you are today in terms of how you help people? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, <clears throat> I mean, the truth of the matter is I've, I've always been connected in this way, but I had a very personal experience um, a number of years ago. It's probably maybe 14 years ago at this point. And I actually had a, an epiphany and it happened in a teepee of all places. <laughs> But I was out in Montana at a family wedding, and I was also there celebrating my 25th wedding anniversary. And so my kids were with me, we were with a lot of family, and as you can imagine, it was just this huge celebration. But I was at a party and noticed this authentic teepee in the backyard, and I was so drawn to it. And so I sort of snuck out of the party, went into the teepee, and um, closed it all up and opened up the ceiling flaps and um, started to just sort of take a life accounting. Uh, it, it was the most amazing thing, actually, that I felt so at home in that teepee. And I was thinking about how idyllic my life was. And honestly, it had everything, every component that any woman could ever want. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm thinking about all of this, and like a ticker tape across my mind's eye, it says, um, how much longer do I have to do this? <laughs> and it was actually, how much longer do I have to do this, Lord? Which was, even in that moment, it was um, sort of hmm, soul-shattering almost. Um, and I bolted upright, and I broke out into a sweat, and I jumped out and I vomited in the bushes. And in that moment, I realized that there was something calling to me. It was some sort of knowingness that I must have been repressing and that it had found an escape route. And here it was. And it began this very in-depth exploration for my truth. And my truth was all about that I had really repressed some really important parts of me, that I wasn't living in my life. And I know that our listeners can appreciate that because as they are working with you or working with someone like me, they're, they're looking also to excavate those parts of themselves that have been missing in previous relationships. And to make a long story short, I, I just did this incredible pivot in my life. And it has resulted in now this accumulation of 40 plus years of working with people's hearts and personal healing to really being able to give people the support that they need to make the kinds of changes that you um, lead them to make and I lead them to make. and and to support people in, in really living life that's from this place of their authentic beings, which it's the only way that we can have a true and sustainable relationship with anyone. We have to have it with ourselves first. So that's what happened. Um, well, every, it's definitely the, the first time I heard a, a, a powerful story start with vomiting. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but um, you know, it's it's definitely inspiring in how you help other people. I mean, that's sort of what we're gonna we're gonna dive into. So, um, 
why is it so hard for people to, why do people repress these memories? Are they conscious of it? Um, essentially, are most people even aware that there's a problem, right? Because if, if, if you don't know that there's, you, you know, if you don't know there's something wrong, it's almost impossible to address it. I agree with you. You have to have that awareness. And the truth of the matter is, Evan, I've never met anyone who didn't have some kind of awareness that whatever they were doing was not working, that there was a part of them that was yearning for more, and that they would come to this place of saying, I just don't know what to do. And the point is, is that it's when we reach that that aspect where we say, I just don't know what to do anymore. From my perspective, this is when we're called to what I say is this pivotal place in life where we choose either to, and don't roll your eyes, to either love ourselves or to continue to um, ignore ourselves. And from my perspective, the the loving of self, that self-love is is really just taking action that's in alignment with what it is that we want to experience. And it always requires that we reach out and get help. I'm with you. And there was, there was nothing remotely eye-rolling about what oh, you said. Oh, good. <laughs> um, uh, because because it, it, it very much dovetails with, you know, what I believe. For me, uh, you know, I, the fir- whole first month of my Love You course is about confidence. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, close to synonymous with self-love. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, all those cliches, you can't love anybody until you love yourself, et cetera. I mean, they, they come they come from somewhere. Right. Um, the hard part is accessing that. So what do you think is the number one reason people have difficulty with letting go of the past, forgiving, moving on, uh, and getting to what is objectively a better place. Why do people stay stuck? Okay. Again, great question. But <clears throat> um, I have to I have to respond to it from a couple of different angles. First of all, I think one of the reasons, um, and of course there are many, but one of the reasons that people are so resistant to letting go of the past is that they believe that on a deep level that somehow they're giving up a part of themselves when they do that. And that can be scary. A lot of people actually define themselves, whether they're consciously aware of this or not, but they define themselves by all of their, what shall we call them, war wounds, right? And they sit around and kibitz about you know, all their own stories and they keep repeating them and repeating them and repeating them. And there's some gratification then that they get when people say, oh my God, you poor thing, or I can't believe he did that to you, or I can't believe you've lived through that. I can't becomes, believe this it is becomes a source of It becomes a source of identity. Exactly. They define themselves. So if you're in this place where someone, you know, like you or I is saying, okay, we, we need to create now a new story about you, um, there is resistance to letting that old story go. And yet the new story cannot be written until we do let that go. So it's it's a paradox of sorts, but um, it's essential. And so that's what you and I do. I guess we help people to, to do that. Yeah. Um, so 
the biggest reason people are moving on is that they're stuck in their story, mm-hmm. their identity of who they are. I'm the person, you know, I'm the person whose father left when when she was young. I'm the person who was uh, sexually abused or was no one paid attention to in high school or chose a man who killed my self-esteem and it it becomes the main the the main thing that we latch onto uh, that you see yourself as you identify as and so the world treats you like that right and you have to keep feeding that story because otherwise you lose your identity and then the other thing that I think happens often is, like I said, we all come to this pivotal place where we have a realization and we have a decision to make. It always requires action. And some people come to this realization and they don't have the clarity to take a simple step. They're, they're often so overwhelmed with the thought of change, they don't really know how to go forward. Sure. And, you know, that can be devastating. So sometimes what I, what I tell people is that, you know, when you're in that place, there's a, there's a call for trust. And I know that trust is hard for a lot of people, particularly if they've been burned in relationships in the past. But what I also know from my experience and my experience of working now with thousands around the world, and that is that trust is a temporary need. The moment that you ask yourself that very all-important question, well, what if? What if it could be different? There is a glimmer of trust that moves in there. And then what happens is that trust now can can create this path for you to start to create that new story. And so the trust is really only temporarily needed. And then all of a sudden, you just find that your life is is different. It's really remarkable. I get that. I'm I'm still stuck where we began because I want to understand it better. Okay. When we've identified that someone has an identity that's not working, um, uh, victim status of some sort, uh, a, a way of viewing the world uh, as cruel and unfair, mm-hmm. um, and we say, well, if we take their identity away, identity away, they don't know who they are, is this a conscious or a subconscious choice to cling to something that's not working? Because it's the equivalent of clinging to a life raft that's sinking. Sure. So do people know that they're doing it and still do it? Or is it is it so tangled that... Because again, on a purely logical level, why would you hold on to an identity or a belief that's not working for you? So um, there will be those who will dispute what I'm about to say. But my answer to your question is yes, they always know. They always know. There is some awareness that comes into their conscious mind that's telling them, uh, you know what, this isn't working. I shouldn't be doing this again and again. But what happens is that if you've, if you've done the same thing and it is not working, and you keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. First of all, there's a behavioral program now that gets created. 
But the other thing is, is that there's an aspect of the ego that now starts to give you um, a notion that you're not good enough. If you can't make this happen, there's something wrong with you. And if there's something wrong with you, you damn well better prove that wrong. So often people just keep doing the same things over and over and over again because they don't want to be exposed that something's wrong with them. So if they keep doing the same thing, then they can say it's somebody else's fault or it was the circumstance or um, they were victims again. So, yeah, no, that's that's very that's very wise. And I, yeah. again, I've, I've caught myself saying the same thing. I've just never really approached it from this angle. Because, um, yeah, my, my, the focus of everything I do is about uh, breaking bad relationship patterns specifically. Um, and so it becomes a core belief. Online dating is bad. Mm-hmm. Men will lie and cheat. They have no integrity. They're only after sex and Right? They, they all become half-true limiting beliefs uh, that don't do themselves justice or, or the male population justice. Right. But what happens is that it then becomes true, right? Because they're in this pattern that they want to maintain. And so they keep trying to prove themselves as good enough or capable or worthy, but they're with the wrong person. Yeah. So it's like the dog chasing its tail. It's just mm. not, it's not gonna, it's not going to stop until that whole belief system um, gets shifted where I guess for lack of a better term, they love themselves enough to know that they deserve something different and that the only reason that it hasn't succeeded is that they're in the wrong place. So where does this begin? We, we, I, we, you know, we, we, we've got an audience here. Uh, stuff you're saying is resonating or triggering uh, people who have these problems and have these insecurities and doubt themselves and blame men, uh, which again is very normal. There's nothing unusual about it. How does one take the first step to let, letting go of that identity and that status uh, and coming from a place of love and forgiveness. Yeah. So the first step really is to want something different and to be committed to creating it. So what that commitment requires, just like a sustainable relationship requires, is that you stay attentive. So you need to stay attentive to what's coming up, right? and ask yourself a very important question. Is this going to help me to achieve my um, desire or is it not? If it isn't, it's learning how to pivot and what to pivot towards as quickly as possible. So for me, I, I speak in terms of energy. If you're, you know, finding that there are similarities to other relationships that have that have left you feeling less than or unworthy or unlovable, then the moment that you start to recognize that 
It's a call for something different. And like I said before, there's there's magic in just asking the one question. Um, what if? What if it can be different? So what I know is that the moment we allow ourselves to ask that question or we say, how can I see this differently? Um, it has right behind it answers to those questions. So... Could it you, really could, comes could, to could commitment. We, we role play? Yeah, could, I'd love to. Okay. Because um, I, I want to, because everything sounds great in theory. Yep. Um, and I don't doubt that it's great. I, I want to sort of just take it out for a test spin. Sure. And I'm, I, don't, I don't know how to do it, but mm -hmm. how, 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 where, do I, where do I begin my what if question? Okay. So you find yourself um, in a bar. You're sitting at the bar and you're in conversation with this, this guy who um, you have mixed feelings about, okay? He's really cute. Um, on paper, he's going to look awesome, right? And you can't wait to share with your friends that you've met this guy. And you um, start to notice that as he's talking, he's he's really um, like slamming his ex-wife. And you can feel this knot in your stomach, and yet you don't want to disappoint him, right? You don't want to make him think that you're not sympathetic with him or understanding. So you open the conversation to say, oh my God, I can't believe she did that or, oh, no wonder you felt that way or this or that, trying to be this empathetic person, ignoring the knot in your stomach. What's the knot in your stomach telling you? It's saying, you know what, there's something wrong here because this guy has not once in this 30-minute conversation even mentioned any of himself in this, it's all about blame, it's all about guilt, it's all about shame, and all he's doing is pointing the finger outwards. And then all of a sudden there's this thought that comes in and says to you, um, this is like a deja vu. I remember my last boyfriend started out just like this. And then you also start to notice that um, you're very fidgety right? You are really uncomfortable in your seat and your um, whole focus shifts to how you look, how you're sitting, how you're drinking, how you are trying to imagine what he wants you to look like and be like so that you're not being compared to his ex-wife. This is such a typical scenario when we are in complete denial that we are receiving all the messages that we need to tell us, get up, <laughs> change your seat, move on. And this was just, you know, a very simple example. But this awareness is, is really essential because it, it comes up the moment we start to contort ourselves to be something other than what we are and expect any kind of um, fulfilling or sustainable relationship to be able to be created from that place. Thank you 
for that. It wasn't what I was talking about. Oh, it wasn't? I was talking about, was uh, about you and I doing a, a role play. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and me trying to do a what if statement, but it led us to an interesting place. I just okay. wanted, to let, I wanted to let it go there. <laughs> um, uh, <clears throat> but I, I, I feel the need to play devil's advocate. Yeah. Um, it's just sort of logically, if in your scenario, mm-hmm. guy says something negative about his ex-wife and her reaction is, there's something wrong here, I gotta extricate myself from the conversation. A, that sounds like the opposite of forgiveness mm-hmm. to some degree. Okay. B, couldn't we flip the entire thing around and say that any man should avoid a woman who, again, our clients who are also caught up in negative thought patterns and beliefs? Doesn't that, doesn't it mean we're giving people very little latitude for their flaws? Um, actually. Uh, it's been my experience that we learn everything we need to know about each other in the first couple of minutes. And um, I have a question for you. So what what were you asking when you said, um, isn't that, uh, I've forgotten exactly how you phrased it, but isn't that a denial of forgiveness or isn't that a, how did, how did you say that, Evan, and what did you mean? What I what I was suggesting is everything you said on, on the surface um, made sense. You're you're basically you know gave an anecdote about about trusting your gut. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard part about that, and again, I, I'm 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 very consciously playing devil's advocate. I don't know Please. where I where I'm falling on this, but a in again in no particular order. A lot of women that I know do trust their gut and they get their hearts stepped on, right? <laughs> oh my God, I followed my heart. I fell in love. I moved to Paris to be with him. And then that I got there and he broke up with me. Well, lots of people follow their heart and their heart can mislead. That's one point of order. The next one is by saying, I'm going to judge a guy who had a bad experience with his ex-wife, right? Mm-hmm and express sympathy towards him, which which you associated with contorting yourself um, and denying some major truth about what's wrong with him. I'm suggesting that, that and I have in my own work, uh, in, even in my book, Why He Disappeared, suggested something otherwise. I imagined uh, in, in that book, imagine you had a date with a guy and he went on a 10 minute rant about his ex-wife, but the rest of the date was amazing, mm-hmm. right? Is it possible that his ex-wife was everything he said, that those feelings are still raw, and if you were to open your heart and talk about how your ex-boyfriend hurt you, it might come out similarly, how are we to judge anybody for these feelings of bitterness and emotion? You don't, it's a double-edged sword. If you're gonna say, I'm not gonna stick around a guy who's got unresolved feelings, <laughs> Mm-hmm. towards his ex-wife yeah couldn't that same thing be used against almost every woman that we coach mm. great questions so i'm going to back up just a little bit Thanks. and we and then after this I, I still want to address that issue with forgiveness as you brought it up so the first thing is is that your um your okay let me say this so i don't look at this scenario as judgment. I look at it as discernment. 
So there's a difference between judgment and discernment. Judgment sure. is always when we're pointing the finger outwards and we're judging that that person is blah, 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 blah. Discernment is about us. So discernment is one of the most powerful gifts that we have, right? And particularly when our body sensations are telling us that we are having a visceral reaction to the conversation. That is when discernment is so invaluable because it gives us all the information that we need to have. So let's say I'm that woman and I'm feeling these things and I'm also recognizing that I'm contorting myself, trying to imagine what the opposite of his wife would look like or act like or be like, and I'm trying to be that person. I'm automatically abdicating my authentic being in order to contort to what I think he wants and wants to hear and see. So that to me is vital information. If I feel myself, if I'm aware that I'm doing that, I stop immediately because I don't want a relationship that whose foundation is built on me being anything other than myself. So that's number one. Number two is that if this fellow has unresolved issues with his ex-wife, he's not, and this is my perspective, okay? Again, the foundation for the relationship that I want is not possible at that time because unresolved emotional issues carry, and again, I'm gonna get into the energy work that I do, carry a density of energy with them. And they're like pocketed, right, within us, which means that those parts are not available to be integrated into a new relationship. So I, Personally, I would be looking for a man who has done his work, who has resolved his issues with his ex-wife. And rather than, you know, tearing her to pieces, I would, I would look for other cues that would tell me that he's resolved these and that he's actually relationship material. And as, as far as forgiveness is concerned, um, forgiveness does not require that we stay in a situation that's uncomfortable for us. Forgiveness is really just under these circumstances, you know, being able to forgive wherever he is, even though it probably wouldn't even come up in the dynamic. Um, but from my perspective, that moment that I started to contort myself to be someone else, it's calling for my forgiveness of myself. So that's where I would put my attention. And I would give myself a lot of compassion um, because that's very much connected to programming that a lot of women have since the time we were little girls. And I would begin again and again and again and give myself permission to do that. You didn't answer my question. 
Okay, hit me with it again. No one is talking about contorting oneself or swallowing one's feelings, right? That was the, that was your interpretation of the anecdote, which was mm -hmm. to say she's, uh, you know, she's pretending to be someone inside, which it doesn't have to be the case. It could just be a guy who's who's complaining about his previous relationship. It doesn't mean she has to go on this this personal journey while she's sitting there. If you're just sitting there and a guy's complaining about his ex. You could say that's that's a deal breaker. Any person who has any negative net energy towards an ex is is out the door, and that's fine. It will leave you with very few people. Similarly, and this was the main point, all of these things about negative energy, unresolved issues, could be equally leveled at every single person that we are coaching who's listening to us right now. So you're pretty much saying that if a man is in the exact same position and he sees a, a, a woman who's, who's struggled with, with security, safety, trust in the past, that the second he picks up on her energy, he should be discerning and out the door. That leaves virtually no one. That's, to me, that's the, the blind spot in what you're saying. Not that I'm telling women to swallow their feelings and contort themselves, but rather when you're this hypersensitive to someone who who's does anything negative, uh, who does that leave? So, um, first of all, I, I, I think that there's a difference between being hypersensitive um, and, again, discerning. So, I understand what you're saying. I totally get it. And I think what, you know, what we're looking at, first of all, is that this is not my interpretation of the antidote or the scenario. I developed it. So I have those components that are active in it and I'm coming from that place, okay? Where, where I'm describing what's happening within her and what's happening within him. So for instance, if I'm, if I'm meeting someone for the first time and they start to talk about their ex with, um, with a vengeance, right? Um, first of all, I don't want my conversation to even be in that direction because I, I think what happens is pretty much what I described, that if you're really attracted to that person, you may fall into the pattern of trying to contort yourself. So that's number one. And number two, in terms of comparing males and females, and if the male also discerns an energy about that woman that can be disastrous down the road, absolutely be discerning. And I know that I say that with um, such, uh, almost a, a black and white um, approach, but there are other factors always connected. My point being is that if you're looking truly to create a fulfilling and sustainable relationship, the energetic foundation of that requires that those unresolved issues must become resolved. 
So I would proceed with caution and I would and I would I would recommend that to the man as well as to the woman. Proceed with caution. See see would, what this is all I would about. agree. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you more in theory than in practice. The problem is in practice pretty much everybody has baggage of some sort. And if we discern our way out of every person who has some sort of red flag, right? Well, only only talk to people who've got everything resolved and have done their work. Um, you know, again, I'm 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 one for for uh, breaking up, and uh, I, I mean, my whole love you course is about discernment and choosing mm -hmm. people of good of good character. Um, but I also want to distinguish someone who's good character and someone who complains about their past. It, you know, again, I I, I always insert myself and. I'm someone. If you you know you get me in the right moment, I could complain about some ex without you know any I'm, real I'm, bitterness. But I'm not talking about just complaining. What I was describing was something much more than just complaining. Because you're right. Um, I could I could be in the same conversation. I could have lots of different complaints, and not just with you know former relationships, right? With lots it of things. Like a high, it felt like a high bar to jump. Is all. So what um, I what I was trying to describe, and perhaps I fell short, was that on a scale of one to ten, ten being like vengeful um, and really filled with this um, toxic sort of um, detestment for their ex. Oh yes, I would walk away in a heartbeat. I I I I, I guess that's. Uh... Yeah. That was the thing that thing that got lost to me. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a book that's sitting on my shelf. It was given to me by a friend uh, called "The Gift of Fear" by Gavin De Becker. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with this? Um, no. It it feels like based on what you do, it should be like re required reading. Okay. Um, this guy, Gavin De Becker, is sort of the leading security provider for all of Hollywood, <laughs> essentially. Um, and I have a good friend who works for him. And it's, it is very much about using pattern recognition to trust your gut when something seems off and you are afraid, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you don't have to be able to intellectualize why it's just, it's being able to trust that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's sort of like next on my list of books to read. So, um, yeah, but, but that's exactly what I'm referring to. Our, well, that's why, gut, that's, why yeah. that's why I'm alluding back to it. Yeah, I, I just, right. I just think that there's a, there's a, a big spectrum between Run, girl, mm -hmm. and here's a guy who has a who has a problem with his ex. Well, which but I was describing the run girl. Okay, uh, that was that yeah, wasn't obvious. To me. Yeah, that wasn't obvious to yeah. me, and that's that, again. I I I use myself as the baseline mm -hmm. for conversations about men. I say, huh, well, I could be the guy who does that. Would would, would it mean every person should run from me and flee from me? Um, that was that was where I was coming from, and that's why I was pushing back. Yeah. I hear you. I okay. understand. Yep. We're, we're cool. Yep. Um, so bring it back to, to the, the core of what it is you do. We're, we're trying to, to bolster self-love and simultaneously forgive. How do you, how do you tie self-love and forgiveness? Mm. It's my belief that, so, that um, how should I put this, that forgiveness is actually the greatest gift of self-love that one can gift themselves. And the reason I say that is that 
again, and this is from my viewpoint, um, energy, right, that's associated with unforgiven issues, unresolved issues, will prevent you from really moving into that place in relationship that you want to be. And the reason is, number one, as I said earlier, there's an actual density to it. And if it has been, um, if it has, you know, come to this culmination and you've had multiple experiences that have fed that energy, it becomes like cement shoes. You, you, you cannot go forward from that place. And so you keep repeating the patterns you keep seeking out the same kind of person, and it very much has to do with what I described before. It's the ego that now wants you to believe that there's something wrong with you, that you're unlovable, you're unworthy, and you become obsessed with trying to prove that wrong, and yet you constantly are proving that right. So what forgiveness is, is a process um, where we're willing to let go of the impact of the past and embrace the possibilities of the future. So what it means is that we also have to let go of the notion that we in any way are that same person, because hopefully we aren't, unless of course you are stuck in that pattern. So you're a completely different person. The entire scenario, all the components of it are different. And what that means is that what happened in the past cannot happen again in, the, in this present time as it did then. If you're different, that whole scenario will be different. The other thing is, and, and you alluded to this very early on in our conversation, and, and that is that you know, if you have <clears throat> adopted this mindset that, you know, all men are this, all men are that, um, you can never trust a man, and it's all based on your past experiences, you will never meet a man you can trust. It will be self-fulfilling. So it comes again right back to that same place where because we want to experience something different, we are committed enough to ask those questions. Well, what if it could be different? What would it look like? Who would I have to be in order to create that? Who would that person need to be in order to co-create that with me? And you set it up as a criteria. And the work, of course, is all in yourself to make certain that you're not that person who was that victim. The other thing that I think is really important is to know what forgiveness is. And this is where I think a lot of the confusion comes in. Because quite frankly, it's the one thing we were all told as children we were supposed to do. I mean, I can still see fingers wagging in my face telling me to forgive my brother or forgive this one or that one. But nobody ever telling me how to do it. And so what happened was I would say the words that they would tell me to say, and then I would say, oh, okay, so I forgave them. But the next time that they did something similar, or I f let's say they did something that was really hurtful, that feeling is there again. 
And those are feelings that, again, we've been taught to ignore. And, and what that feeling is, is a call to do something different, to learn how to really forgive. And it's a huge gift. Um, it's not just words, and it's not just walking away. It is an actual process that allows us to let that energy go. And um, it's powerful because the result of that is pure freedom. Can you tell me more about that process? Sure. So I think you really hit the nail on the head in the beginning also, Evan, when you, you know, we're talking about awareness. And that awareness, as I said earlier, it, when we are aware of ourselves, what we're feeling, the sensations that we're experiencing, and the thoughts that follow, it sets out a blueprint for us, okay? And the blueprint is one where we need to look at ourselves differently. So I know from our past experience, you said that, you know, when you work with someone, you want to work with them in the now. Well, that person has to be in the now in order to be able to work in the now. So again, we, we look at the patterns that show up in ourselves and we, we begin by asking the questions, is that going to lead me to where I, I want to go or is it going to keep sabotaging me? And as adults, with this incredible superpower of discernment, we have the ability to discern we'll know immediately whether or not that has the capability of creating the relationship that we say that we want. We know it because all of that comes from this place deep within us where um, it speaks very clearly to us, but we have to sort of reopen those lines of communication. So once we've identified that this pattern that I'm in is associated with this, 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 and this. Then we can start to ask ourselves questions about that. And that's something that um, I teach. And it's, it's also connected to the heart shifting. I think a lot of times people attempt to go into forgiveness as we were taught as children. Just do it. Right? Just do it. So we say these words. Well... I don't know about you, but any time that I've ever tried to change something in my life just by changing my thoughts, I was either unsuccessful or it took me a hell of a long time. So what that told me is that thoughts come from some place. And I, and I believe actually that there's no such thing as a random thought. And it all comes from our ability to discern um, what our heart is really saying. And, you know, you, I, I need to just go back to this for a second because you, you spoke about that, you know, that woman who, you know, said, I'll never trust another man as long as I live. I followed him to Paris. I did this. I did that. I did this. I can guarantee you one conversation with her and she will be able to um, describe for me the moment that she knew she was doing the wrong thing. Because that's how our heart speaks to us. I don't doubt that for a, a, a second. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think the the hard part <clears throat> is not not just admitting that you've done something wrong, but it's you know what what do I do now? I know that right. I'm not happy with the choices I've made, the relationships I've been in, um, the way I feel about myself, uh, men, relationships. Um, and again, nobody nobody reaches out because uh, they're feeling great. Right. I think the, the question becomes, you know, what now? Um, how how does one uh, experience this heart shift? A, mm-hmm. uh, B, and again, forgive me for looping back. Yeah, no. But keep looping. When you talk about what you know, again, I want to give you room room to 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 share your thoughts. The other question I had about forgiveness was, is it a blanket forgiveness? Are you forgiving yourself for mistakes you made in the past? And are you forgiving others for the things they've done to you? Okay. So there are going to be those who are going to absolutely bristle with my answer. But quite frankly, the forgiveness always has to begin within ourselves. Because and I'm going to use this woman who followed this man to Paris, et cetera, et cetera, as an example. Forgiveness for her has to take place in that moment that rather than listening to her gut, that voice, um, that knowingness that um, she was about to uh, take a different path than what she was really being led to, It's at that point that we have to start the forgiveness process. So, and then from there, we actually kind of work backwards and we, we forgive all the other times that we've abdicated, right, to, to others. Um, But also we just, we forgive ourselves for forgetting who we really are. We are these incredible creatures that, have within our design these systems that are meant to give us the information that we need to go forward and to co-create with other people. It is, it's, and it's also giving up that whole, you know, falling, and I'm going to use a word, sort of victim to that ego voice that wants you to believe that this is what you must do in order to be loved. You know, it's got to be according to what somebody else wants or needs from you. So there are, as you can see, it's complex. There are lots of different components to this, but it always comes back to that moment where we abdicated and actually chose to ignore the messages that were coming from what I say is our higher self, our spirit. And then once we can forgive that, we can kind of see how we sort of co-created the whole situation. We did this, they did that, we did this, they did that. You know, they thought that they were with this woman who looked like this and acted like that and did this and did that when all along she was, you know, pretending to be somebody else. And the same with him. We thought he was this, 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 and this and had this, you know, fantastical idea of that person because we didn't create first that intimate relationship with ourselves and recognizing how 
whatever we do, whatever we say, any input that we're, that we're putting into a conversation will have an effect. I think that's um, one of the hardest things. I, I, uh, I have a Facebook page and I, and I post positive, affirming things on there mm-hmm. uh, about love and trust and possibility. And invariably, I, 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 you know, I could say anything and there's always going to be a handful of people who their answer is, but men. Mm-hmm. But men, right? Yep. And I, I'm powerless over their feelings. I don't want to deny their experiences. Um, it just seems so much easier to blame what other people did to you than to take. ownership of how you found yourself in that situation with that man. That's right. It is. Until until you suffer the consequences. (laughs) But I I, I struggle to to know, because again, there's no, it's not defending a guy who is dishonest. There's no no defense of that. Um, It's why do you choose that person over and over again? Why do you ignore your intuition? Why do you contort yourself to, to pretend to be someone you're not? Why don't you set healthy boundaries? Why don't you leave if you don't feel safe, heard, and understood? Um, and and, I, and I, I, I know I sometimes sound callous, but that, that's the thing I, I, I struggle with as a coach, and I'm, I guess I'm asking you for coaching. Sure. How do, you, how do you reach someone who wants to stay in her story? Yeah. So, and this is where great compassion comes in, okay? And I believe that we can be both. I really do, Evan. I believe that we can be black and white, clear in our boundaries, and still have great compassion. So the compassion that's being called for first and foremost is for that person that has that whole stance, that attitude, okay? And so from my perspective, what is really being called for here is, is an opportunity for teaching that that stance does not have the capability in any way of creating what it is that she says that she wants. And now the ball's in her court Now the ball is in her court because she has to ask, what do I need to do to change that? And the moment that someone says, what do I need to do to change that? Your job obviously is easy because you know exactly what she can do that will change the stance. So every time that you see that, Perhaps even just a reminder, from where you are, you can only experience more of it. So if you want something different, it's calling for a change within you. It's a change in your stance. And 
And then the rest, and I'm not going to say it's easy, but the rest is, is now um, part of that commitment process to actually being willing to do whatever it takes to have what you say that you want. So given that, mm -hmm. what is the best action for our listeners who are moved by what you're saying, identify with what you're saying, mm -hmm. find themselves stuck? What is the action they need to take to activate self-love, forgiveness, uh, and to create the possibility of, of true love for themselves? Yeah. So I think there are lots of different avenues, but I think, you know, going into a quiet place, maybe, and this is again from my perspective, whenever I need to work through these things that are bubbling to the surface, what I do is I make certain that I'm in a place where I'll be undisturbed and I give myself a couple of hours and I have a big pad to write with, um, or I also have something where I'm actually doing something with my hands as part of a creative process. So uh, there are a lot of people who love coloring books or they love paints or they like to doodle. And the reason that I bring that up is that when we're looking to, and again, this is my energy perspective, when we're looking to create something new, we have to call upon the energy of creation. The energy of creation only goes forwards. It does exactly what it says that it does. It creates. So when you put yourself in the position of aligning with that energy, of inviting it in, and giving it a path, a route, so that it can be expressed through you. It will take you exactly where you need to go. And guess what? Along the way, those things that you need to let go of are gonna pop right up. So you have to give yourself a minimum of a half hour for this to actually begin to happen. But put on some soft music preferably even without any lyrics, just music. Music also speaks to us from a vibrational place, right? It's, it's energy. Soft music, quiet place. If you sometimes maybe want to light a candle um, and then you begin writing or you begin coloring or begin painting and just let your thoughts come up and not judge them, not judge them. But you're doing this with the intention to let go of whatever comes up because that's why it's coming up. It's my belief that it's actually asking for permission to come up and be let go of. It, it wants to go out and play. It's sick and tired of you know being stuck inside and being connected to this culprit or the victim or all of this. So that's how I look at it. And it's the most amazing. It's actually miraculous if you just will give yourself that time to just be quiet, go into the silence, make certain you're undisturbed, and have a little 
internal conversation because all the information that you need is there. Um, well, thank you. I, uh, uh, I want to give you the last word and, okay. um, and, uh, I, I appreciate That's very generous of you. No, I mean, uh, it is. It's very is... generous of you. Thank you. No, you're, 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 you're my guest. And, and the only time I ever, uh, uh, play devil's advocate is when something doesn't add up in my head mm -hmm. and I'm trying to process it outwardly and make sense of it. Uh, so I hope, uh, you didn't feel like I was challenging you on your area of expertise. As Not at all. Trying, trying to understand how how it's applicable to, to everybody who's listening today. No, I'm so glad that you, you do that because I want to make certain that, you know, what I'm offering is clear as well. And um, so, no, I'm very appreciative of that. And I've so much enjoyed our conversation. Well, you're super. Um, what, what can people do if they want to find you? So, first of all, my website which is heartshiftcoach.com, or they can go to marcynewman.com. It's M-A-R-C-Y-N-E-U-M-A-N-N, -E -N -N, and they'll be redirected to the HeartShift site. Um, on Facebook, HeartShift Coach, and um, there are lots of ways to get into contact with me. Um, and I love doing that. I, I love to spend time with people. I really look at my obligation to myself and to who I am in this world is to be of service. And so, I mean, there's even a, a system on my website where people can schedule 30 minutes of private time with me just to have a discussion just so that they can get my feedback about where I think that they are and where they might need to go. Well, you're a generous spirit, and uh, I appreciate your friendship. Thank you, and I so much appreciate yours. And again, thank you so much for having me as a guest um, on your podcast, and I look forward to many more conversations. I really enjoy it. Yeah, me too. Um, well, I want to I want to thank Marcy. I want to thank everybody who's listened uh, for joining us here on today's Love You podcast. My name is Evan Mark Katz. Next week, I'm going to be discussing whether your partner should also be your best friend. Uh, you don't want to miss that. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and YouTube. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. And best of all, I give away the most free dating and relationship advice on www.evanmarkkatz.com. So take my quiz about your number one relationship challenge right there on my homepage, and I will help you get the love you deserve. I'll see you again next week on the Love You Podcast.